1: 630 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.
2: Nugent Hopkins, left circle, wrist shot, score. The trick, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. The Ajay, who's up across the 40, he swings it to the
3: 45, the 50. Down the sidelines he goes. the Ajay, he's got all sorts of
1: daylight inside the 10. touchdown Eskimo. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. Six thirty, Chad.
0: What a win by Bianca! Wasn't that fun to watch that last night? She is into the U.S. Open final. Taking on Serena Williams tomorrow. We'll have a preview. We'll get the vibe from New York later on in the show. Scott Stinson, sports columnist for the National Post, is there. Going to be great to catch up with him. Football tonight, it is BC and Montreal in the Canadian Football League as the Lions try to get just their second victory of the season. Not a lot going on in this game, score-wise, anyway. It is one-nothing Montreal leading BC after the first quarter, even though the Lions have had the ball for nine and a half minutes. The U of A Golden Bears football team after coming up just short in their comeback attempt one week ago against the Calgary Dinos going into Regina tonight. That one kicks off in about an hour. Regina 1-0 Golden Bears 0-1. Wildcats tomorrow visit the Colts. 7 o'clock start in Calgary. The Huskies are on a bye. Edmonton Oil Kings playing a preseason game tonight at the Downtown Community Arena. That is against the Calgary Hitmen. Of course the Oilers rookies and later on on the show you'll hear from prospect Defenseman Logan Day, who set a Bakersfield Condors record last season for points by a rookie defenseman. He's going to join us later on tonight on Inside Sports. I I actually talked to him after their practice today at Rogers Place. And of course, the big showdown, the Labor Day rematch tomorrow on the Brick Field at Commonwealth Stadium. Our coverage will start at 3.30. The game will start at 5 as the Eskimos host the Calgary Stampeders. Calgary's already locked up the season series against Edmonton with two wins on home field But the Eskimos will try to snap a two-game losing streak tomorrow night. Uh, Some similar circumstances last year the Eskimos started six and three lost two games in a row and then won the Labor Day rematch to get to seven and five so they'll try to repeat that pattern though then obviously do better in their final six games uh, of the year as of course last year they wound up nine and nine and missed the playoffs we will set up tomorrow's game a lot to get to about that one but I, I I gotta look back quickly here on uh, last year's Labor Day rematch. It was September 8th. The Eskimos won 48-42. The two teams combined for 1,073 yards of offense.
2: Here's Raleigh. He pumps to the left side. Now throws to the left side. Going to the end zone for the Duke. Touchdown, Eskimos. Bo Levi-Mitchell looks to the left side. He throws. It's intercepted. Intercepted. Eskimos have it. And it is to just inside the 15-yard line. First and goal for the Eskimos play action, there's the pass, and that'll be a touchdown for the Eskimos as they get to the end zone yet again, and it's Fidel Hazelton. 13-point lead for the Eskimos, they're trying to keep it that way, Mitchell drops back, throws, that'll be a touchdown, it goes to Morris, he's got his third touchdown of the night, oh, Lord, now the Stampeders have made it 48-41. The clock has hit zero. Is it possible? Is it possible to lose two weeks in a row on the final play of the game? We'll find out. Winner lose, here we go. There's the snap to Bo Levi-Mitchell. He scrambles to the right side, loads up, he throws to the end zone, and no, incomplete in the end zone.
0: Just barely, no, just barely incomplete. The Eskimos hanging on to win that one by six. Looked like it was going to be a laugher, but Calgary came back in the last 10 minutes. Morley Scott with the call, and next to him in the booth one year ago, my good buddy Dave Campbell. Dave, how are you doing? Oh, man, I, I'm
5: tired just from hearing that. That was, what, like 90-second piece you played? and I'm again. I, I remember how I felt after the end of that game. And uh, Juwan Dreschick had the ball on his team, <laughs> And it was Josh Wood, who was the starting safety that day. He ripped the ball out of his hands before he hit the ground. That game was nuts. I think the Sanforders scored 20 points in the fourth quarter. But uh, you know, we were talking about this earlier. As, as fun as the, the Labor of the Classic is in Saturday, the labor of game has its own vibe, it, and it's just as special. And we have seen some crazy Lady of games over the, over the years, haven't we?
0: Yeah. Dave, you're, you're coming through a little muddy. Are you, uh, I'm going to put you on hold for a sec, see if we can clear it up. Okay. 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 We will get more to Dave Campbell, but yeah, yeah. A, a classic game uh, last season. I've called it one of the best games I've ever seen in person at Commonwealth stadium, 48, 42. So the Eskimos will, uh will try to get back in the wind calm tomorrow. Okay, Dave, we'll, we'll try again. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was an amazing game. And, I remember Riley fumbled early in the fourth quarter inside the ten yard line, I and mean, if he, he would have cashed in there, the Eskimos would have been up over fifty, and, and for sure they would have ha- had it in the bag. But that that play opened the door for the Stamps to come back a bit.
5: Yeah, it was it was just nuts. I mean that's probably the best offensive game the Eskimos played that season, and yet it was you know everything wrong about the defense that showed its ugly head. I thought was, it was over, right, and then Riley fumbles the football. And that's uh, in the red zone. We might talk about the red zone perhaps. Free, better. Um, but, yeah, it was a red zone turnover. And uh, the St. Peters were on a huge tear. And thank goodness it wasn't 30 seconds more on the clock or even 10 seconds more on the clock because the St. Peters might have won that football game.
0: All right. Well, you mentioned the state of the Eskimos offense. That that might have been their best offensive game last season. They, they would like to do that again. Certainly nowhere to go. But up after the game on uh, Monday in Calgary, losing twenty-five nine, another game without touchdowns, and uh, you know, and, and I really, I mean, they've had some games where they've had yardage, but not touchdowns. They did, they, they, didn't really even have yardage, not at key points of the game on Monday. What, what have they been saying this week? Has there been a different sort of message or focus, or have they just kept saying uh, it's going to come and we got to execute? I'm curious.
5: There has been one word that Jason Moss used and several other other of the players have used as well what was lacking on monday that needs to be there tomorrow for the rematch and the word is physicality and it's weird to say that because football is a physical game but jason moss took it one step further today and said well you know there's physicality and there's violence and football is a violent game and i think that's when the good teams know how to ramp up the physicality and make it even more of a physical battle, more of a war of attrition, more of a violent game. And I think the Stampeders do that very well. And they always do. I mean, we've seen, I've seen this movie, we've all seen this movie, you know, pretty much over the last eight years because the, the, uh, uh, the Eskimos have an eight game losing streak. And it usually ends up this way where the Stampeders come out on Labor Day with that emotionally charged atmosphere at McMahon Stadium with the flyover, Military Appreciation Day. And they always ramp up the physicality, and the Eskimos have had trouble matching and exceeding that physicality. And then they play the rematch game, and I think the the, the tables kind of shift into the Eskimos' favor. So physicality is, I think, is the is the big buzzword this week that we've been hearing from the head coach down on the players. And we also heard, uh, I think, Trevor Harris dropped the uh, the aggression word. That's in the red zone. That's on the field, and and I think. You know, when this team plays better teams and they haven't played very well or have, they haven't won against uh, a Winnipeg Blue Bomber team or a Calgary Peter team this year, they're 0-4. They've had trouble scoring in the red zone. I think I think the uh, total scoring drives are 24, or sorry, 21. The problem is, Reed, those are 21 or 18 field goals out of 21 scoring drives. Right. So they, they just haven't been able to raise their game. They've been close in most of those games. Except the one on Monday, even though they were close for much of that game, and they had some plays that went against them, that uh, that really took them out of it. But the physicality and the aggression w- wasn't there. It usually was. I mean, go back two weeks ago against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, If it was there. They just didn't execute very well when they needed to. So I think that's what I'm looking at tomorrow: is, is the physicality, and if they have the level of physicality, and also details. I'll use another word. If, and Eskimos master. the details were kind of lacking in part of the game on Monday. If we can get our details figured out and understand what we're doing, it's just, my God, it's game 12 tomorrow. You should know what you're doing by now, I would think, for the most part, even though it's not going to be perfect. It allows you to play with the exact and of physicality that you need to play with.
0: Well, and and that's that's a really good point, and that's disappointing that, that it wasn't there. And, and the Eskimos... Especially defensively, and they've had some good games running the ball as well. They they, they have been physical, and even. Even that game where they they fell behind early against the Lions, this the second mm-hmm. game of the season, they were still being physical. I mean, granted they were taking penalties, but they were still hitting Riley, and and eventually that allowed them to get back into that game. So the fact that it wasn't there against your rivalry in that tradition, against your rival in the traditional rivalry game, was uh, was pretty concerning uh, on Monday. On the defensive side of the ball, it's been a pretty good year for the defense. The only time they've really been questioned is the last couple of games and specifically with how teams Winnipeg and Calgary have been able to run the ball against them. We had defensive coordinator Philip Lawley on the show last night said that they let Calgary get the edge on them a little bit too much and Calgary had a good game plan and executed well. We'll see how how Lawley uh, adjusts and, and he did kind of say, Dave, that you're probably not going to sack Bo Levi-Mitchell because he gets mm-hmm. the ball out so quickly so I wonder if this is going to be a really run-stop-focused defense, and then you challenge Bo Levi to complete a bunch of passes to get down the field.
5: Yeah, I agree with that. And, and, and Philip Lawley was uh, was excellent in explaining that to you yesterday uh, on the show. And I do expect that he will throw more pressure at Bo Levi Mitchell and give him more looks. And I'll say this, watch the secondary tomorrow because they're going to have to really step up because if more pressure comes, um, that means you're exposing your secondary. And their secondary is a little bit uh, – it's not as good as it once was, I, I would say. Um, I, I think Taekwondo Glass is good. I think Money Hunter is good. But, you know, I think there's some, there's some struggles there as well. Um, I, don't think, I don't think their secondary is, is their strength. I think the front seven is their strength, especially their front four. But I do think that front seven is going to try and get after. Believe I mentioned a little bit more, and yes, and 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 more attention to the run game. I mean, Kadeem Carey have an excellent game, uh, over 140 yards. It's funny because in the final three minutes of the fourth quarter, that's where the Stampeders got about over 80 yards of the 201 total of, of rushing yards. And That was a bit of a demoralizing kind of kind of drive, right? Because. You're, you're just trying to send a message to the other team and all they're, all they're doing is running the football down your throat, but you know, Kerry's going to play, Don Jackson's going to play as well tomorrow, so they're going to kind of spell off uh, Kerry at times, so uh, you know, and I, I think that this team is going to try and get after believe Mitchell and really mix up coverages a, a lot better than they did on, on Monday. I thought it was the most vanilla uh, a strong word, but Let's just say this. I, I saw more zone defense out of Philip Molly's defense than I have seen all season and than I would expected at any point in the season because I didn't think that he would settle into that kind of game. But that does show you the respect that Bull Mitchell has. But he had too much time. And if you give a quarterback of that quality, and I think he is the best quarterback in the league right now, even though he's been injured, you know, had injuries uh, or that torn peck this year, I still think he's the best. You can give him time to scan the field and throw.
0: All right, and I was just looking at the depth chart, Dave. The same lineup for the Eskimos, no changes playing for the second time in five days? That's
5: crazy. That's crazy. I mean, I can't remember the last time they went with the same starting group. The only change is that they're going to go with three quarterbacks. They've been going with only two quarterbacks with starter Trevor Harrison, the backup Logan Kilgore, but they're going to put uh, Jeremiah Briscoe, take him off the practice roster, and he'll be the third quarterback tomorrow. So they will play with a full 45-game roster They've been playing with uh, one man short at 44 uh, players uh, for the last few games.
0: All right. Well, it's uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, I mean, obviously Eskimos fans are worried after Monday's result, but like we saw last year, it could be a totally different type of game. It's sounding like they're uh, they're well over 35. 35- or well over 30, maybe around 35,000 seats sold already for the game. Supposed to be a nice day, so hopefully there's a little extra home field advantage with the Eskimos faithful as well. Dave, enjoy it tomorrow. I'll be uh, going to Red Deer to cover the Oilers game, so definitely listen to you and Morley.
5: Absolutely, and enjoy that uh, that game tomorrow. It's exciting that the Oilers are back, and let's hope the excitement will match uh, what we see on the end.
0: That is Dave Campbell checking in, producer of this show and uh, your color analyst for Eskimos broadcast here on 630 Chet. So same uh, lineup for the Eskimos as they look for a different result against the Calgary Stampeders. Thanks for tuning in tonight. By the way, if you want to get in touch, you can text 630-630. Our phone number is 780-496-0063. We have uh, plenty more to tee up the Labor Day rematch, plenty more on uh, Oilers. Rookie camp, which continues, and they do have that game tomorrow against the Flames' rookie, 7 o'clock in Red Deer. We're off and running Inside Sports on 630Chad.
1: Your home for all the news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630Chad.
0: Now 7-0, Alouettes leading the Lions. Seven minutes left in the second quarter. CFL action, a triple header tomorrow in the league. And the final game of that will be the Eskimos and the Stampeders. Fun stuff for sure. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Hey, the newest episode of the E-Pod with Morley Scott came out today. This week, Blake Dermott Part 2. He tells us about the best team that never won the Grey Cup. That's the 16-2 and Eskimos team from 1989. We also hear more about his motorcycle accident in 2017
1: nobody in the parking lot not a soul in the parking lot so so we all go well I guess we got to move over there so we all fire up our bikes and start to drive over and as I shoulder check to the left and I was only in first gear I, I was turning to the right looking this way and not realizing that uh, Bill had stopped his bike he was the first guy stopped to read a sign and so there was another guy in front of me he swerved one way to miss Bill and I swerved the other way and when the bikes are traveling at a very low speed that's when they're the most unstable Next thing I know, I'm on the ground. I hit the ground. My elbow went into my side. I broke seven ribs and punctured my lung. So I was pretty much uh, in a little bit of trouble. They got me to the hospital. They took me, did the CT scan and all that to see for internal bleeding and discovered that I had a iliac aneurysm that was undetected. The doctor told me that it was of a significant size at three, uh, three centimeters dilation that they get excited. Mine was at five. So mine was the size of Basically, a vein that is typically the thickness of your little finger, mine was the size of a breakfast burrito and it was it was interesting that he used a food analogy <laughs> you got to know your audience
3: <laughs> i don 't think we were ready to lose our dad at that time. it was It was shocking and it was, because my dad growing up with my, he's he's a superhero, right? Like everyone thinks that their father is invincible and especially my dad, right? He was an athlete. He's been through knee surgeries, shoulder surgeries, wrist surgeries. He's had a hernia operation. Um, So to hear that he was away from our family and we couldn't be there with him, it was, it was big. It made my father seem like uh, a normal human being because growing up he was invincible. But it, it was, it's it been a second chance with my dad. and I, I don't want to use that in a corny way because I know there are much more serious situations that I know people have been through with their parents and with people they love. But uh, yeah, now when he asks me when he comes up to my desk at work and wants to go hit balls at lunch or grab lunch or go do something other than work and just just enjoying life, I take that opportunity ten times out of ten.
0: Well, I got to listen to that full thing. The EPod, a podcast about the Eskimos and the CFL, available at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and everywhere else you get your streaming audio. You can also listen at Curiouscast.ca. Morley Scott putting that together comes out every Friday. Great stuff. Marfus texting in. He says, "Uh, the Eskimos are not winning winnable games, especially must-win games. When Edmonton is ahead in the first half, the opposing team adapts and overcomes. Edmonton doesn't seem to do that. Unless Edmonton pulls a rabbit out of its hat, they will get their butts handed to them once again. Then Jason Moss will need to go. That is a text coming in from uh, Marfus. Well, I think that's... uh, Obviously, the Eskimos aren't... Uh, Here's the thing, Marfus. I, I, I don't think the Eskimos have blown a lead in any of their losses, but when they when they fall behind, they haven't been able to come back or do enough to get back in it or even trade punches with the team. I mean, fell behind against Montreal, chasing most of the game both times against Winnipeg uh, and chasing most of the game both times against uh, against Calgary. So, so to me, more of the problem is uh, is that they can't they can't figure out a way uh, to come to come back or stay in it. Not so much that other teams are adjusting and catching up on them. But. It's gotta be better tomorrow against Calgary.
3: Hi, this is Armando Sebo of the Edmonton
5: Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6:30. Chad.
0: Blue Jays trailing Tampa Bay four nothing that game in the fifth inning, two and a half minutes left. Second quarter in Montreal, the Alouettes up 14, nothing on the BC Lions. Uh, Alouettes, not much was expected for them coming into the season. You fire your coach, you fire your GM in the lead up to the season. Well, they're five and four. They went one on one against the Eskimos. They beat Calgary in Calgary they're uh, they're not a bad team they're not a bad team looking to go to 6 and 4 tonight the BC Lions limping along at 1 and 9 the matchup tomorrow brickfield at commonwealth stadium the 6 and 4 Stampeders against the 6 and 5 edmonton eskimos you can pretty much uh, book this guy into inside sports for the friday before the labor day rematch uh, every year as long as he's doing the broadcasts on our sister station news talk 770 in Calgary former stampeder now radio analyst greg Peterson greg great to have you on the show how are you doing good it's always good to be on your show love talking football with you and and greg we're gonna get there with you but you have uh you have a pretty incredible personal uh story to tell from about the last year or so of your life you had a uh well i i i mean i guess i i don't wanna exaggerate here i don't think you had a, obviously a major health scare can you can you enlighten us please
4: <laughs> yeah i did and uh it's uh you know, you never – I had open-heart surgery. Today, I had double-bypass surgery, and I had my aortic valve removed, and I didn't even know what those terms meant. Uh, what happened was uh, through my law firm, we're, uh, I got a free gift I, I to this wellness clinic, and, all, and you do all these fitness tests, and all the young lawyers at our firm were bragging about how many push-ups they could do and this and that, and I said, this 59-year-old guy could crush all you guys. So they basically says, well, why don't you put your money where your mouth is and go show us? So I went in and did all these fitness tests, and I think I did pretty good of them. I scored excellent, but the one test where you get on the bike, uh, the person doing the test says it's not coming through very good. We recommend you go see a cardiologist. And I basically said, look, I work out every morning for two hours. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I eat good. I'm kind of a, fit, a health fitness buff. There's no way I have a heart condition. But he said, well, we're going to book you. I got booked in. Uh, the doctor put one, uh, uh, just listened to my heart. And within 10 seconds, he said, buddy, you got some problems. We got to get you in right away. They did a bunch of more tests. And uh, they had to open me up, have open heart surgery, replace my aortic valve. And the doctor said I had about three months to live. I probably would have been dead within three months, probably working out if I didn't have that operation.
0: My goodness. Any idea what caused all this? Is this simply just it's the all case? genetics? Just yeah, genetic he bad said loss? because yeah. he
4: said, yeah, he, go, he said uh, you don't drink, you don't smoke, you eat good. You're a fanatic when it comes to your workout. Seriously, I work out every morning for two and a half hours. Some people are just born with defects in their heart, or they produce more cholesterol. Uh, and it, r- really, having a bad heart condition is eighty percent genetics, twenty percent lifestyle. You certainly can improve. And and get over heart conditions by improving your lifestyle, but for some of us like me, it's just I it was just the genetics. You know,
0: it's 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 strange. Well, maybe it's not strange. I, I and you, you played. I mean, you mentioned you're 59. It's, but I'm wondering why this wasn't discovered when you were a player, or maybe with a modern day player, this would have been discovered because maybe they, they take more information on players' bodies and health now.
4: Well, a lot of it is you don't really see what was going on. I don't want to get too technical. I'll I'll get technical football, but I'm not a doctor. But, you know, I've learned a lot about my heart. Really what was happening is my valve was not closing and all the blood was rushing back into what's called your left ventricle. And my left ventricle, which is the part of the heart that pumps all the oxygenated blood in, it was getting larger. And you hear of these uh, marathon runners and Olympic athletes and all that that just die while they're working out. That's what happens is, uh, and because my valve wasn't closing, it was expanding my left ventricle until eventually I was asymptomatic. When you don't have any symptoms whatsoever, you just die of a massive heart attack. And that's just genetics. It just happens. And it usually doesn't come true to people until they're over 50. So they never would have picked it up when I was younger. And good thing they picked it up when I was 59 or you wouldn't be talking to me right now.
0: How long was the recovery before you could start working out again and and feeling good? Oh, it was long. Yeah. Because what they do is they cut your
4: sternum in half, open you open, uh, open you up. Really, they take your heart out. You're connected to a machine to keep you alive. And I had a a seven-and-a-half-hour heart operation because they had to do quite a bit. Um, It probably took me a good six to eight months where I was back working out. And I'm just barely now, a year later
0: almost, working out full-time. Well, we're glad to have you on the show. I always say that, but it has a bit of a different meaning today. And, well,
4: I'm, I'm glad to be here, and I hope to be here with you in many years to come.
0: Well, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And thanks for sharing that story. I'm sure you've had to tell it over and over again, but, but it is it is important. And I guess if it's a reminder, if, if something feels wrong with your body or, or somebody tells you something might be wrong, you gotta, you got to take that seriously. You can't brush it off.
4: Well, exactly, and and people should just get checked up. It's you know they should get checked for prostate cancer. I know it's not the greatest checkup to have, but they should also get checked for their heart and many other things. It's just important. See, I didn't, I wasn't going to a doctor because I I didn't get a regular checkup because I just thought I was in such good shape, so I hadn't really had a regular checkup for four to five years where that's stupidity. You should get checked up every year.
0: Yeah. Greg Peterson joining us on Inside Sports, color, color analyst for Stampeders Football on our sister station, News Talk 70, uh, 770 CHQR in Calgary. So uh, let, let's shift to the football side of the conversation. It has been an interesting year for the Stampeders. And, you know, I had Justin Lawrence on the show leading up to the Labor Day rematch, and I'm reading off all the scores in their games, most of them very close, They've had a couple slip away that they probably should have won. Um, they, they certainly uh, had a dramatic comeback against BC where they lost their quarterback and were down, but won. And I mean they've, they've had some some really intense, some really close games that and even that overtime game against Montreal, some close- I'm not saying the officials made bad calls, but there were some 50 50 calls. Some days you might get those. Calgary didn't get them. They've had some wild finishes.
4: They really have. I think this is the best year for Dave Dickinson in his coaching. He he lost his defensive coordinator. He lost a lot of players. Of course, you got one of them, DeVarious Daniels. He lost his entire defensive line. I think he this has been his best coaching so far. He has done a miraculous job to think how many guys they lose and where they are right now. you got to really give this coaching staff a lot of credit.
0: All right. Monday, Bo Levi comes back. I didn't think it was a very good game by the Eskimos, though I do give the Stampeders credit. I, I mean, I did a show after that game, and uh, a lot of Eskimos fans lamenting y- yet another loss to Calgary. But for for you following the Stampeders and covering that game, obviously you would have a bit of a different perspective. What What were the keys for you on Monday?
4: Well, I just thought that our offensive line, uh, and our defensive line were more physical than the Eskimos. But you know what? Having said that, uh, I think Calgary, they better expect a different game because the Eskimos, Calgary was all pumped up. It, it's a big game, Labor Day. The media's around. I remember when I played in those Labor Day classics, they were like playing in many great cups. So I think the Stampeders were just a little bit more revved up to go out and play the physicality and and how you have to play a, a football game. You have to play a little mean, honory and nasty as a football player. And I just think that that's how they played and that's why they won. It'll be different this game because the, the, it could switch. It always is that Eskimos come back and play with that physicality that the Stampeders had at Labor Day.
0: You know what? And you're echoing what Dave Campbell said that the Eskimos are going to try to do. and that, and that was what disappointed me is they, they kind of got got pushed around a little bit. I mean, it's not always how you lose. sometimes it's, it's not always that you lose. sometimes it's how you lose, right that, that might really get under your skin when you're uh, when you're a, a player or a fan. You mentioned that the Labor, Labor Day was like a mini gray cup. And that you got to learn to play with that edge and bring it and go close to the line. You you probably remember Jed Roberts. I think you guys would have overlapped a little bit. Yeah, we. Uh, He was in with Randy Spencer last week to tee up the Labor Day game, and Jed was talking about uh, nipple twisting and spitting and pinching that can happen when you're fighting for a fumble. Uh, Was there a (laughs) uh, whether it was in a battle of Alberta or not? Was there a guy that you just knew was gonna do whatever he could to get under your skin verbally or physically, or or sometimes where you're just like, man, this guy's downright cheating, but, he, or, but he's getting away with it.
4: Yeah, there was. Uh, Ray Elgard, I had to cover him a lot. He pushed off. He cheated. He did everything to catch the ball. I got to know him a little bit after um, a later part of my career. Great guy, but on the football field, I hated how he played because – <laughs> he cheated <laughs> put it this way he, 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 back then he probably would have been called now but you couldn't cover him without him getting his hands on you and he was a big strong guy and he would just push you away and Ken Austin would turn around and throw the ball and how can you cover that if he's going to not get called for push-ups
0: uh, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're, you're really riling up Ryder Nation right now. You can't say anything bad about care. Ray Elgar. I've done that many times yeah, before. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, Greg, it's great to have you on the show. Uh, thanks for teeing up tomorrow's game from a Stamps perspective. Thanks for sharing your personal story as well. You have a good call tomorrow. Okay, I always look forward to it. Thanks, Reed. That is Greg Peterson checking in tonight, color analyst for Stampeders Football on News Talk 770 out of Calgary, former player with the Stamps. Uh, man, what a story. Open heart surgery, double bypass surgery, and he had an aortic valve removed. And he told the story. He's doing push-ups with some of the guys at his office and some things didn't register. Goes to a doctor. Doctor listens to his heart, and he says, uh, something's not right here. we got to get you checked out right away and uh, maybe just had a few months to live if that hadn't happened. So really appreciate Greg sharing that story for sure. You can text 630-630. Our phone number is 780-496-0063. At the half now, at the half, BC did get on the board, but Montreal still up 14-7. Brian Burnham got a 40-yard touchdown pass from Mike Riley late in the first half. Riley 10 for 12 for 127 yards in the half. And for the Alouettes, it was Vernon Adams Jr. going 10 for 13 for 127 yards. No touchdowns was intercepted. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. We're coming right back.
6: Hi, this is Trevor Harris of the Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Well,
0: thank you, Mr. Harris. Oh, Def Leppard. Good man. All right, 3.30, the coverage starts tomorrow here on 6.30. Chad, the game is at 5 as the Eskimos take on the Stampeders. Oilers rookie camp rolling along. They play the Flames rookies tomorrow at 7 in Red Deer. I will be at that game So uh, if you're watching uh, Eskimos either at the stadium or on the tube, you can keep it on my Twitter account, on the 630Ched Twitter account as well for uh, for updates from Red Deer. Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer on the other side of the window this evening. Kellen, good to see you. Happy Friday, Reed. You said you're going to football tomorrow?
2: Yeah, I'm going to be there and uh, hopefully watching an Esks win. And, uh, you know... The, the score from last year's game, I was at last year's game, uh, the the Labor Day rematch there. Uh, I would love for it to be as close, maybe not with the high-scoring amount, because that was kind of a little Looney Tunes at the end. But, uh, you know, I, I, I predict Eskies by, well, uh, we'll go
0: four. Oh, you're making a prediction. Yeah, Eskies by four Well, those always end more. well,
2: don't they? Yeah, they always do. Especially on this show, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. We didn't we didn't do Labor Day predictions this year. We'll, no, we we'll, didn't. We'll save it for the the playoffs. Oh, you know what I did do? Oh, I have to check my uh, my Twitter account because I honestly don't remember what I wrote, and I don't take predictions overly seriously. I just I'm at the point where I kind of do it because I have to. You know, you work in sports broadcasting; people always want your your predictions. Right. So I made my uh, guaranteed to be correct NFL picks on my Twitter account. <laughs> In the AFC, my six playoff teams Kansas City, New England, Pittsburgh, Houston, the Chargers, and Indy, even though they don't have luck. In the NFC, I went with Philly, New Orleans, the Rams, Chicago, Atlanta, and San Francisco. And for the Super Bowl, I put Kansas City over Chicago. And then, of course, the, last night, the Bears. I, I, I actually didn't even watch the football game because I was watching tennis. I had a little bit of the football game on here. But then Bianca's match started. I yeah. I finished watching the first set after the show ended. I drove home and watched the rest of the match. and yeah, then it was I was the I same didn't way. Even, I didn't even bother checking out the football game. But everything I've seen and read was that the Chicago Bears were terrible. Yeah, and perhaps was, the Green Bay Packers were also terrible, but just less terrible.
2: Yeah, it was a very boring game from what I was looking up at and that stuff. It seemed like every time I looked up there, was seven three green green base. Yeah, for like it was seven three for a while.
0: Yeah, apparently a lot of punting. Well, that's okay. That's how it goes. The Sunday nighter, Steelers Patriots. It's usually a good game. That'll be a better game. Uh, Seahawks, who you and I endorse, where they're, mm-hmm. they're hosting the Bengals, I believe Sunday afternoon.
2: Yeah, let's hope the Seahawks can win so uh, we can wear our Seahawks paraphernalia around on Monday. A little well, bit. I
0: don't have any. I got some. So you'll have to you'll have to wear twice as much, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just come dressed in Seahawks. Like all the neon. All the neon. Myrrh the stamps guy texts again. He says stamps by nine. I think I owe myrrh I don't know, forty pieces of chicken, maybe? I've l i have I feel like I've lost several bets with myrrh At least a corn biscuit. <laughs> At least a corn biscuit for Myrrh. Or a
2: cornbread. Corn biscuit? Corn bread. <laughs>
0: I guess you could make a biscuit of yeah, good corn. food over I don't, there. I don't know uh, from northern chicken well you got uh, you gotta favor the stamps tomorrow after what happened on Monday, but having said that, I think the Eskimos can play better. I think they can adjust well Calgary's obviously adjusting too, but i uh, I think it'll be a, a much better showing for the green and gold tomorrow hopefully they can pull out the win and get to seven and five that is uh Murr the stamps guy who is a f- faithful. Inside sports listener, which I appreciate it because he cheers for the Stampeders and the Flames. And we don't talk about those teams as much as a Calgary radio station might. U of A Golden Bears uh, getting in a- into action at uh, seven. Against Regina, we'll keep you updated. Jay Bueller says the Eskimos are going to win 24 20. Southside Rob says, uh, Hey, Reed, great interview with former CFL All Star and current announcer Greg Peterson. I have the same issue with my heart. Shock to me also as a former athlete it's scary to be diagnosed with heart issues in your early 60s side note i played minor hockey against his brother brent peterson in calgary yes the former nhl player and coach with many teams including the nashville predators he has parkinson's disease being an athlete does not keep you safe from scary health issues see a doctor on a regular basis glad to hear they are both doing well now that is from uh, Southside Rob who I always appreciate hearing from as well well Rob thanks for sharing so it's, it's always it, I, I will say this from, from, from hosting the show when someone calls in or texts in something personal I, I always appreciate that you're willing to share that with me this is because I'm not going to ever get to meet a lot of you in person. So the fact that you'll hear a story and have that reaction to it and, and you'll want to share, I do appreciate that. So Southside Rob, uh, thanks a lot for that. Oh, Murr the Stamps guy lives in Leduc. Interesting. He just admitted that. <laughs> he's a good, he's a good texter. He's uh, The thing about Murr the Stamps guy that I like, he loves his teams. He does not cheer for teams that are popular in the Edmonton region. That's fine. But I I do also think Murr the Stamps guy is pretty reasonable. Mm. You know, if if he legitimately thought the Eskimos were better than Calgary, I think he would say it. He would he might say he didn't like it. He wouldn't start cheering for the Eskimos, but I I, I think he would he would be he'd be pretty reasonable. But I'm about to make Murr the Stamps guy's night. Because he's probably going to be the only one who enjoys hearing this person's voice on this show. Oh. It is Bo Levi Mitchell back in Edmonton for the first time since winning the Great Cup here in November.
6: Yeah, honestly, it, not until uh, the drive over and we drove past our hotel that was, you know, 20 minutes outside the city. Uh, <laughs> I was like, man, let's go stay back there again. Um, we got some good luck out of that, that, that hotel. So, uh, yeah, man, I mean, good flashbacks and everything, but it happened so long ago. And, and, uh, you don't want anything to motivate you in the wrong way, you know, making, making you relax. So, uh, yeah, just try to put that in the back of your mind. I guess the only difference is, is that you can't go back in the homeroom. Yeah. Considering yeah. what you guys did to the homeroom. Yeah, and I think our, our job is to make sure that nobody else gets to do that in our room. You know,
5: Labor Day is very special. The vibe going into it, the hype. What about the vibe going into the rematch game, which has featured some pretty crazy games that you have been involved with? Yeah,
6: I uh, I don't think the hype's any less. I mean, obviously, uh, the hype for us is huge, you know, just within the city. You know, we get a lot of fans, like... You know, just don't care what happens, just win this game, um, which I've never understood. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but you know, coming here, we know how these fans feel about us. Uh, you know, coming in, winning the stadium last year, it's gonna—they're gonna hate us that much more. Uh, so yeah, I think we've got to come with a little bit extra edge and, and and be ready for a bigger fight.
5: You're limited in the number of changes you can make in a short week, but is it always that one two plays in the back of your mind that you're wondering what they're going to show you?
6: Uh, yeah, I mean, shoot, I mean, guys are who they are. You know, they've. They've got a lot of coverages, and they're very good at doing them. And it's not like, I mean, if a lot of our throws, you go look, it's not like we just pick their coverages apart. You know, guys make great catches. We put the ball in good holes, and I think they they can probably see that as well. So you make minor adjustments for them, I'm sure, on defense. Um, You know, if they bring something else, I'm sure it'll be something that we've seen in the past uh, on film at some point, maybe just not that many times. But, uh, yeah, we've watched every game. We've seen every cover they've run. So uh, whatever they show, we'll be ready for it.
0: All right, that is Bo Levi-Mitchell, one of the least popular athletes in the history of the city of (laughs) Edmonton. I'm comfortable. I haven't run a formal poll, but I'm comfortable saying that. He's here. uh, He's in town taking on the Eskimos tomorrow night. All right. Tell you what, the latest from Oilers rookie camp coming up in the next hour of the show. You're going to hear from Logan Day, who had a breakthrough season last year with the Bakersfield Condors. Bob Stauffer will hop on as well. We'll keep you updated on Friday Night Football. We'll tell you how the Golden Bears football team is doing as they kick off in Regina. Lots still to go here on Inside Inside Sports.